following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. The all-new Toyota RAV4 asks, what if? What if your ride was refined and rugged at the same time? Introducing the all-new RAV4 Hybrid. 208 combined horsepower and standard all-wheel drive make it the most powerful RAV4. Plus, with its head-turning style and breakaway speed, it's bound to change the way you think of a hybrid. The all-new RAV4 Hybrid. Toyota. Let's go places. Horsepower. Ratings achieved using the required premium and gasoline with an octane rating of 91 or higher. Premium fuel is not used. Performance will decrease. Welcome to the Forbes Sports Money Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Ozanian. On this show, we talk about the business of sports. My guest today is Darren Heitner. Darren's the founder of South Florida-based Heitner Legal PLLC and Sports Agent Blog. He also wrote a book. I don't know if he finds time to do all this, but Darren wrote How to Play the Game, What Every Sports Attorney Needs to Know. Darren, thanks a lot for coming on the show, my man. Thanks for having me, as always. So uh, you're one of my main go-to guys here. Well, not my one of my main. You are my main go-to guy on on uh, fantasy sports, especially daily fantasy sports. And your piece that I saw the other day on how DraftKings is preparing to pivot to sports betting uh, really uh, got my attention. Um, What's going on with daily fantasy sports and, you know, what's, what's sort of the lay of the land right now? And, and then we'll get into, you know, what you've been writing lately. Absolutely. Well, daily fantasy sports is still very much out there. And your market leaders are still the same names that you've been hearing about for the past two to three years, just less so on TV advertisements, that being DraftKings and FanDuel. Together, those entities have raised over $1 billion dollars. And I think what's interesting and what probably most people don't know is that these companies, while they generate a lot of revenue by way of entry fee, are not very profitable. In fact, one of the two apparently has not even made any profits to date. It's, it's net negative. So that's one thing. Uh, and while daily fantasy sports is still very relevant, and you have tens of millions of individuals in the U.S. and in Canada playing these types of competitions on a daily or weekly basis, what seems to have occurred is that these companies and the industry as a whole has somewhat plateaued. There's a lot less buzz that's surrounding the industry. You see less in terms of Google Trends with regard to search terms being used. Even the entry fees seem to be at least either plateauing or even maybe going down a little bit. So you've seen these companies, DraftKings and FanDuel, but particularly DraftKings, realize that there is a need to pivot. And it's somewhat perfect timing. You have the Supreme Court that's currently looking at possibly putting an end to the Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act, a law that was instituted back in 1992, which made it a prohibition for states to allow for or operate sports betting within their borders. Obviously, Nevada was grandfathered in. If the Supreme Court changes that, strikes down the law, which many people are predicting, then a company like DraftKings wants to be ahead of the curve. It wants to be in place to put forth its own sports book. And as I wrote a week ago, DraftKings recently hired a head of sportsbooks, someone who's been involved 
in the sportsbook sphere, albeit overseas, for quite some time. So DraftKings is certainly focused on it. FanDuel, based on what it's been saying recently, is also definitely going to pivot to sportsbook as well and at least be in a position to exploit it if the federal law changes. And taking a moment to thank our supporters, Amica Insurance, Varidesk, and Rocket Mortgage. More about these companies later in the show. Uh, just to go back for a, a quick second on what you touched on, what, given the tremendous popularity of daily fantasy sports, why has profitability been so difficult for FanDuel and DraftKings to achieve? Well, obviously, there's a difference between the handle and the hold. And DraftKings and FanDuel are taking a percentage um, on these types of games. Their entry fees may not be as high as what they would like, and they have these guaranteed payouts at the forefront of any competition. They've also been spending a lot of money on advertising. While maybe, again, two, three years ago, we would turn on the TV, particularly in association with an NFL Sunday, and be bombarded with FanDuel and DraftKings advertisements. There are still quite a bit of spending going on by these two companies. But in addition to that, over the past couple of years, DraftKings and FanDuel have had to lead the charge for the industry as a whole and have spent an exorbitant amount of money on legal fees to their lawyers to fight different lawsuits that were filed against them and also lobbying efforts. They're still trying to make it specifically and explicitly legal to play daily fantasy sports within various state borders. And while there are dozens of states that have instituted those types of laws. There's a lot of effort that needs to still go on. And it is not a type of competition that's allowed in every single state. There are some states that have said, we are not going to allow for this competition within our borders. So a lot of money is being spent, and there's just not enough of a margin for these companies to really exploit the entry fees that are coming in. Uh, for our listeners out there, uh can you quickly explain to them what is meant by a sports book? Sure. Um, a sports book is traditionally uh, from a land-based or terrestrial standpoint. If you go to Las Vegas and you go into the MGM Grand or you go to the Wynn or any other big casino and resort, there's always a sports book. And it's typically located very close to the poker room. And you can go in there and place a wager on any outcome of any professional sports or even amateur sports competition. Overseas, uh, it's not limited to having the land-based or terrestrial. You can place a wager in, in many jurisdictions online and also via mobile phone. And to the, uh, to the benefit of, of Nevada, in particular Las Vegas, a lot of casinos have actually opened up their offerings to online and mobile phone betting as well. So the sports books are the operators. They are essentially the third-party conduits. They take in the money. Um, they adjust the lines based on how money is spent and how money, how money is actually wagered in order to try to hedge their risk. And they'll pay out to the winners, and they'll keep the money on the losers. And do they profit by taking a little bit off the top and keeping that themselves? Absolutely. And that's what I referenced earlier, the hold. So the handle is the total amount of money that's wagered in a sports book. The hold is the percentage of money that is basically the gross gaming revenue that the casino actually earns. And so as we now shift 
into many states getting prepared for the potential outcome where, where the Supreme Court would strike down the federal ban on sports betting, you have states that are trying to figure out how they're going to tax that hold in order to also benefit their own state budgets. And an interesting wrinkle is now Major League Baseball and the NBA have come in. They have, for the longest time, been opposed to sports betting. In fact, they were part of the group of leagues and the NCAA back in 1992 that advocated for the federal ban. They're now lobbying states so that they can get a piece of the pie just in case the ban falls. Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, as you know, has been uh, uh, public about his belief that it it should be legalized. Uh, Betting on sports in general should be legalized. And in fact, you know, he sees it as a uh, one of the ways that the NBA is going to grow revenue. And I imagine Major League Baseball sees the same thing. You know, their data, for instance, that that would be uh, could be used in this. Uh, you know, big data, as you know, is uh, a big thing now. Every, everybody is getting into that. So, uh, uh, how big an impact do you think now that the NBA and Major League Baseball are supporting legalized gambling uh, could have on that? I mean, they they have legalized gambling on, in in soccer in in the United Kingdom, for example, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. And I think that if sports bet, if the ban on sports betting falls, the indirect benefit to leagues like the NBA and MLB will be gigantic. And that's because you will have so many people interested and invested in games that otherwise would have zero consequence whatsoever. And it's sort of an amplification of what the daily fantasy sports world has done. Theory was that daily fantasy sports would cause all these lay individuals, these common spectators to be involved in games between the Grizzlies and the Pelicans. Well, that has occurred to an extent. I think if you had full-fledged sports betting on the outcomes of individual games, that will absolutely occur to a greater amount. Directly, what the NBA and, and, and MLB is trying to do, as you mentioned, is leverage what they have in order to also get a 1% commission, what they've called an integrity fee, on the, on the handle, not the hold. So they want 1% on all wagers that are made that in some way touch upon the games played within their sport. Now, they say that it's justified because they're going to be providing all of these tools to make sure that there's not fraud, that there's no impropriety, and as you mentioned, quote-unquote, big data. Now, I don't know, and I don't necessarily agree that there is any justification to pay that fee, but that is the company's stance. That's what they're trying to say. And what Adam Silver interestingly said in a recent interview is that He equated this to being an intellectual property right, that in exchange for having the ability to use the data, the analytics, the stats, they should be entitled to this fee. What's interesting is that Nevada currently has a system in place and doesn't pay the fee. They don't need to have that particular information. They get it from other sources. Mm -hmm. Overseas, it's the same exact thing. So I think if pressed and some states are pressing MLB and NBA on this. I think if pressed, they have a hard time really justifying their position for this 1% uh, 
integrity fee. You have some states like Missouri, like Indiana, that have incorporated it into their proposed legislation, but many states are rebuffing it. It's almost like the uh, NBA and MLB are saying, you know what, if you want us to get out publicly and support this, it's going to cost you 1% of the handle. <laughs> but I, agree. You I, know know. What? I agree. I agree. But what's interesting is what, what was needed was them for just lobby in the first place because now they're sort of going against the grain, the grain that they've been going towards for the past 25 years. Now they're tacitly almost admitting that they understand this is where we need to go, which is a which is a dropping of this ban of sports uh, of sports betting. But but where's the leverage then? How can they possibly convince the states? And really what they're going to do is what many other companies do. They're going to lobby the legislature, the legislatures and use the power of the purse to try to get their way. And I just don't see it being effective. I think. The worst consequence, which I I wrote recently in a Forbes article, is that you're going to have a complete lack of uniformity among the states because all these different states are looking at different proposals that include different types of state taxation, whether or not they include this 1% integrity fee, whether or not they allow online and mobile and in-game betting. And it's going to be a, a huge issue if, in fact, the sports betting Ban falls. And we'll be right back after this quick break. Traditional static offices are a thing of the past. Today, companies and employees want an active workspace. Varidesk helps people reimagine their office design. Being more active at work, like standing more and sitting less, can help improve your health by boosting energy and productivity. The new ProDesk 60 electric standing desk is the cornerstone of the active office. It's designed with commercial-grade materials, stable at any height, and fully assembled in under five minutes. Plus, all Varidesk products are made to last. They're also simple to set up and move or reconfigure as businesses change and grow. Check out Varidesk products, including the new ProDesk 60 Electric, risk-free for 30 days with free shipping and free returns. Learn more at varidesk.com slash Forbes. That's V-A-R-I-Desk.com slash Forbes. And this podcast is brought to you by Amica Auto Home and Life Insurance. When you call Amica, you can expect a different experience because Amica is all about customer service that goes above and beyond the ordinary. You always get the help you need when you call Amica. Visit meetamica.com slash Forbes today. And I would imagine, though, if you get enough of the states where you don't have the one percent, uh, if it gets to be you know making up a number twenty states, could be less of a problem because you know everybody would seemingly be not that far away. But it seems to be moving towards. I mean, they they have if they're going to do this, Darren. In your opinion, don't they have to move towards uniform legislation? You know, because otherwise. They're just not going to be maximizing what they can get out of this. Theoretically, yes. But in reality, I think the likelihood of, let's say, a a federal standard uh, is implausible. Um, And, you know, what you have, as I mentioned, is a state like Missouri looking at the one percent integrity fee for MLB and NBA. Then you have a state like New York that's looking at point two five percent. And then Connecticut that says Sorry, MLB, NBA, we're not going to pay you a dime. 
Um, and, and I think that's a much smaller issue than a much larger one, which is that Nevada pay, or, or I'm sorry, operators in Nevada pay a 6.75% state tax right. on the hold, plus a 0.25% federal excise tax, which will probably be applied in other states as well. And we can get to the justification of the excise tax too, if you'd like. But I think where a problem comes is if Nevada is doing 6.75% and Massachusetts is at 15% as a hypothetical, do individuals in Massachusetts then go back to the underground, go back to the black market and use bookies because there's better opportunities there and less of a need for operators to increase in order to, to meet certain margins. Well, and as, we don't know. <laughs> as you and I, one thing you and I know that history has taught us, capital, who, who, I forget who it was, was it the former CEO years ago of Citicorp, said capital goes to where it's treated best, and that's where it flows. So one way or another, the money's going to go to where the returns are the highest. Hey, I want to circle back to today's piece, or yesterday's piece, I think it was, why do you think DraftKings hiring Sean Hurley uh, is significant? What, what does it portend possibly? Well, I think it's very clear that DraftKings and many others are, are sort of reading the tea leaves. And they are assuming, even though the Supreme Court has not yet provided an opinion, that the Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act of 1992 will fall. And so essentially what DraftKings is saying is we know we need to innovate. We know that we need to make sure that the individuals and companies that have invested in us are feel comfortable. And we know that we need to raise more money. Um, and the only way to really excite people right now is to pivot in a way uh, and distance a little bit from daily fantasy sports, especially knowing or at least believing that it has somewhat plateaued. Um, and, and so you've seen DraftKings and FanDuel try to be creative, go away from its standard forms of daily fantasy. But this is really where they can make a ton of money is if they have the infrastructure ready to go. And if they get the requisite licenses, whatever they whatever they may be state by state, they can then transform their existing user bases of millions of people and then also use the the strength of their purse to advertise to more. And I think that's where you really see a shift from these companies being daily fantasy sports to focusing a lot more on sportsbook. And and I know a lot of people believe that daily fantasy sports and sports betting complement each other. I truly believe that the vast majority of people will shift from daily fantasy sports to the sportsbook. And you'll only have the really hardcore players uh, remain doing the daily fantasy sports. Okay, if that happens, let's say, what happens to DraftKings and FanDuel? Well, FanDuel is actually right now trying to take advantage of whatever momentum has been created through the projection that the Supreme Court will rule to strike down the prohibition on sports betting. And so what I wrote recently is that um, there's been a report, a very credible report, that FanDuel is actively looking to be acquired um, and that there's a, quite a bit of interest uh, out there with regard to potential acquisition, whether it be from uh, a mega media uh, company 
or as part of a roll-up. And, and my more recent knowledge is that it would more likely be part of a roll-up. And I thought that, that FanDuel's response to the story was pretty interesting because the response uh, you would have expected maybe would say, you know, this is not credible. We're not looking to sell. We're very happy with where we're going. But it didn't include that type of language. In fact, the, the company spokesperson uh, said that mentioned the the pending Supreme Court decision um, and said that there's a lot of interest in the category from a number of potential strategic partners. So, you know, I guess the non-response is, is speaks speaks pretty loud. Um, so, so FanDuel certainly looking at a possible acquisition. I think both companies, as I mentioned before, are definitely looking to raise more money because they're, they're spending still at an alarming rate. Um, that's not to say that they're near the point where they'll collapse, uh, but I think that they are going to need to raise more money unless, of course, there is a purchase in the space. That, that sort of response that you mentioned by FanDuel almost makes me think that it's a story that maybe they threw out there, sort of a plant, uh, when I put my Machiavellian <laughs> cap on, if you will. Uh, but but that's just me talking. Hey, at one point, Darren, weren't FanDuel and DraftKings going to merge? Uh, not that long ago. Uh, whatever happened with that? You know, it's it's so funny you bring that up because it's not discussed at all anymore. But you're right. That was huge news in the industry not that long ago. Um, and DraftKings and FanDuel, despite their many differences uh, and despite what has appeared to be a very intense war between the two, uh, were destined to merge, but for the fact that the Federal Trade Commission came in and said, oh, we're a little bit concerned about the anti-competitive effects. We think that this does create a monopoly. So you guys can't really negate the fact that together you'll control more than 95% of the daily fantasy sports space. Um, and so there were there was a complaint against them uh, and Eventually, the conclusion of it all is that the merger never occurred uh, and the parties went their respective ways. Are there one of those, either DraftKings or FanDuel, that you think is in a much better position than the other? Yeah, I think that DraftKings, despite an early lead in the infancy of the companies for FanDuel, I think DraftKings has made up a lot of ground and is now really the company that is the preferred among the two. Um, and I think also something to keep in mind is that one of the original founders of FanDuel and its CEO, Nigel Eccles, recently moved on, uh, whereas you still have the original team intact for DraftKings. And, and Nigel from FanDuel moved on to an esports venture. And we could talk for hours about the esports industry, I'm sure, maybe another episode. Um, but, but that rubbed me a little bit in the wrong way. And I was wondering, why is it that he's now departing? Um, and so I, I don't think that that, that necessarily uh, signals the death of FanDuel in any way. Um, I just think that the company is probably reorganizing itself in a way that makes it very um, enticing to a potential purchaser. And the gap between DraftKings and FanDuel, if there is one at all, is, is minuscule. And we'll be right back after this quick break. Support for the Forbes Sports Money podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, the mortgage company that decided to ask why. 
Why can't clients get approved in minutes rather than weeks? Why can't they make adjustments to their rate and term in real time? And why can't there be a client-focused technological mortgage revolution? Quicken Loans answered all these questions and more with Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th, with Rocket Mortgage you get a transparent, online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply. Understand fully. Mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com Forbes. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. The all-new Toyota RAV4 asks, what if? What if your ride was refined and rugged at the same time? Introducing the all-new RAV4 Hybrid. 208 combined horsepower and standard all-wheel drive make it the most powerful RAV4. Plus, with its head-turning style and breakaway speed, it's bound to change the way you think of a hybrid. The all-new RAV4 Hybrid. Toyota. Let's go places. Horsepower. Ratings achieved using the required premium and leaded gasoline with an octane rating of 91 or higher. Premium fuel is not used. Performance will decrease. You know, this is uh, something I find very interesting. You know, you, you mentioned at the bottom sort of the shifting sands and, you know, saying uh, sports leagues that once advocated vehemently for the creation of the sports betting prohibition, claiming that a federal landscape without such a law would seriously jeopardize the integrity of games played. And then there's also the fact that now owners like Jerry Jones of the Cowboys and Robert Kraft of the Patriots are part of investment firms that have pumped money into DraftKings. So, are these guys now, these very powerful owners, very wealthy owners, they are now driving forces behind the change in opinion within the league in terms of how they want to view daily fantasy sports? Am I reading that correctly? No, I don't know that You know, Robert Kraft and Jerry Jones have the influence in changing the policy of the NFL. In fact, if anyone would uh, cause Roger Goodell to go the other way, it would probably be Jerry Jones <laughs> and Robert Kraft right now. Um, but to be honest, I mean, if, if there's been a league um, outside of the association, that being the NCAA, that has stood pretty firm on this concept that there's a true concern about the integrity of the game being jeopardized, it would be the NFL. Um, the NFL as a league has not brokered a deal uh, with any of these fantasy daily fantasy sports companies. Whereas you have the NHL and MLB with equity in DraftKings, and you have the NBA with equity in FanDuel. And I think what's occurred though, from a common sense standpoint is if these leagues are involved and even invested in these daily fantasy sports products, they're, sort of contradicting themselves and saying that we're totally fine with these types of enterprises, but at the same time, we think there's still an issue with integrity if sports betting comes along. If there's a heavy daily fantasy sports player who wants to influence a game, I don't think that's any different than a heavy sports better. 
Um, and I think that the technologies have increased for, for the past couple of decades to the extent where these types of things can and have been caught, at least overseas. Um, so, you know, to me, why has it taken so long for these leagues to come around to the idea of sports betting? You see it with what's happening with the NBA and MLB right now. They wanted some action. They wanted a fee. And they're calling it an integrity fee because they love that word. That's their justification, integrity. But they can't, at the same time, you know, the genie's out of the bottle, right? Because you have the NHL now with a franchise in Las Vegas. You have the Oakland Raiders within the next couple of years moving to Las Vegas. Uh, I really foresee a day in the not-too-distant future where you probably have a baseball team in Las Vegas. So, I mean, you have the major sports leagues moving there. I'm sure the NBA will be there at some point to sort of, for these leagues to imply then that, you know, supporting daily fantasy sports uh, encourages or reduces the integrity while they're moving stadiums and arenas to Las Vegas kind of doesn't jive with me. So I, I, you know, and, and I, I mean, you know, look, this whole thing about, you know, uh, corruption or influence via the internet. Haven't we just been watching about this for like over a year now with, you know, Russia and our election? I mean, you know, there's this, all this stuff going on. I think the way to do it is not to prevent daily fantasy sports or, or from, uh, these businesses from growing, but to get more information out there to allow the entrepreneurs, to allow these tech whizzes to make this information, the market will make the information more readily available. You're not going to prevent this so that the uh, everyday Joe who wants to participate in this stuff will have the information. Let the fight be over. Who can provide the best information? Absolutely. And what you've seen is the development of many private companies that focus on the integrity uh, of these wagers. And if there's any sort of inconsistency, it's pointed out overseas. And I think you also make a very good point, which is that if we don't do something about this ban right now, all you're going to do is continue or amplify the status quo, which is if you want to bet, you can. You can absolutely do so right now online through an overseas bookie. It's very easy to do. Um, and then to another point that you made, and I think it was a very good one, which is the NHL going to Vegas, NFL going to Vegas. You mentioned the NBA eventually could go to Vegas. They've been in Vegas for many years. They have the summer league there right, every single right. year. And so, again, I, I think what, what the bottom line is on this is that you've had maybe 25 years ago a real concern and a real fear that the games could be jeopardized by having full-fledged sports betting. And look, Nevada got their exception. They were grandfathered in because they had it in place. But then technologies got better. Then daily fantasy sports was approved. Now you have a situation where I think whatever the hesitation is by the leagues, it's monetary. It's a monetary consideration alone. And I think the NBA and MLB took some time to figure out how they were going to frame the issue. 
And they've done a tremendous job in doing it by classifying it as an integrity fee. When in reality, it's a rights fee. And in further reality, it's a rights fee that I don't think needs to be paid. Uh, Has any of this in daily fantasy sports, uh, what's been going on? How has the typical, the season-long fantasy sports industry been going? They've been going. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) They've not really been impacted by any of this, right? I mean, that that business has still been strong. For a while, people were, they were uh, saying that people were leaving the, uh, the daily fantasy sports was a detriment to the season-long fantasy sports. No, not, not, not no, really, not right? Saying that. No, and, and, you know, you still have Yahoo Sports in the lead. ESPN is still focused on its season-long activity, CBS. Um, what's interesting is you have the mainstream media companies that have focused and continue to focus on season-long and not really dip their toes but for Yahoo in the daily fantasy mm-hmm. space and Yahoo could care less about it. I mean, it, it was sort of a beta test that they've somewhat dropped altogether. And, and, and what's been the ramification of that is further solidification of FanDuel and DraftKings as the market leaders, which then, as you mentioned before, became the concern for the FTC when there was the potential of them merging. But, you know, season long is, is still alive and kicking and there's still all those people that are that have been playing and continue to play with uh, NFL fantasy being the leader in the space. And what's interesting is uh, while I think daily fantasy may, may suffer a setback with um, the allowance of sports betting on a federal level, I don't see that happening with season long. I think that they are, more distinct from one another than daily fantasy is to sports betting because with daily fantasy you have the immediacy and you know the day-to-day changes whereas i think season long you still have that level of social interaction and leagues that have just been in place for so long that people look forward to that big draft they look forward to being the manager over the course of a season Um, and i think that season long complements uh, sports betting very well, whereas daily fantasy doesn't do the same. I, I really agree with you. I, I think that given the profitability picture you painted, Darren, that if uh, daily fantasy sports becomes legal, uh, I really think the big players, the Yahoo and those guys on the season long, they're going to buy these guys. I think that's it because, I mean, if you're DraftKings and FanDuel, why keep battling it out, you know, on, on, on razor-thin margins? Let the big guy come, buy you out, and... Uh, you know, move on. Um, you know, that's that's just kind of how I see it going. But uh, you know, give me give me uh, before I let you go, give me a quick uh, synopsis, the upshot, and how you see this moving forward over the next few months. Well, I also agree with many out there that it seems likely that the Supreme Court finally puts an end to this to the federal sports betting prohibition. Um, and then I do think that you'll see quite a few states rush to try to pass legislation and regulations governing the taxation, um, the, the, the types of games that will be offered, et cetera. Um, I definitely see DraftKings pivoting to Sportsbook. I also think that it's very likely that FanDuel ends up becoming purchased. Um, so what you'll probably have are – the existing 
large casinos uh, enter into the space with regard to sports betting and but be challenged by the newcomers in DraftKings and FanDuel and many others from overseas that may come in and try to take a piece of the pie. I think it'll be there's going to be a lot of aggression uh, on behalf of the operators to do whatever they can to get this type of clientele. And the casinos have a lot to benefit from sports betting because if, in fact, individuals will actually go into the casinos to bet as opposed to do it online or through mobile devices, well, the casinos love that because their margins on sports betting aren't great, but they what they really want are people in the casinos playing right. the slots, playing Baccarat, you know, those types of games where they can get a large commission. It's like um, a lead-in audience, like same reason why they host boxing matches, right? They don't necessarily make the money on the boxing match, but it's all the people that stay at the hotels and gamble that come to see the fight. Correct. correct. Hey, a lot of great stuff, Darren, as always. I really appreciate your time. And, hey, listen, I'm going to uh, send out an invitation right now for a future date. Let's hook up and talk eSports, buddy, in a, in a few you weeks. Got it. Uh, because I know you're also an expert there as well and uh, always love your insight, my friend. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Forbes Sports Money. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with a comment or question, please email us at sportsmoney at podcastone.com. That's O-N-E dot com. Hi, I'm Spencer Raskoff, the CEO of Zillow Group, and I have a new podcast here on Podcast One called Office Hours. Listen as I have one-on-one conversations with other CEOs. We have the kind of conversations that can only happen between peers, tackling tough questions, sharing hard-won insights, and helping to define what leadership means today. Join me twice a month on Office Hours, exclusively on Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and the new Podcast One app. The all-new Toyota RAV4 asks, what if? What if your ride was refined and rugged at the same time? Introducing the all-new RAV4 Hybrid. 208 combined horsepower and standard all-wheel drive make it the most powerful RAV4. Plus, with its head-turning style and breakaway speed, it's bound to change the way you think of a hybrid. The all-new RAV4 Hybrid. Toyota. Let's go places. Horsepower. Ratings achieved using the required premium and leather gasoline with an octane rating of 91 or higher. Premium fuel is not used. Performance will decrease. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. London police have arrested Julian Assange on extradition charges to the United States, as well as for violating his bail. Assange is accused of publishing classified documents through WikiLeaks. In 2010, he told Sky News he was worried about what the U.S. might do to him. The United States recently has shown that its institutions seem to be failing. Uh, They are failing to follow the rule of law. And with dealing with a superpower... It does not appear to be following, following the rule of law. It is a serious business. He also said in 2010 the U.S. officials had threatened him and those associated with him. There has been many calls by senior political figures uh, in the United States, uh, including elected ones in the Senate, uh, for my execution, uh, the kidnapping of my staff. Edward Snowden, the former security contractor who leaked classified information about U.S. surveillance programs, says the arrest of Assange is a blow to media freedom. I'm Rita Foley.